0: Hello and welcome to our listeners to this N4D podcast. And our first guest on this new series, for which we are so excited to welcome, is Dr. Saeed Shamsul Islam Shams who is known widely as Dr. Shams. And Dr. Shams is an Afghan medical and public health expert uh, based in Kabul and Afghanistan and has enormous experience in policy, strategy and program implementation to improve nutrition and health of the Afghan people. Uh, Dr. Shams was previously the technical focal point for the sun movement, in Afghanistan and is currently still actively involved in the Sun movement at uh, some of the global level deliberations. So Dr. Shams is with uh, myself. I'm speaking to you from Perth in Western Australia at this point. I'm joined by my colleagues, uh, Chris and Jeremy, who are both in Spain and London respectively. Dr. Shams is speaking to us from Kabul in Afghanistan. And we're so delighted to have him with us today because he's going to give us absolutely vital insights into a country like Afghanistan and how its progress uh, is shaping up in terms of tackling malnutrition and how Dr. Shams views the current state of support from the AIDS system. So without further ado... I would like to welcome Dr. Shams and ask him to say hello to our listeners.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you, Camille, Chris and Jeremy for the opportunity and the introduction.
0: Great. Thank you, Dr. Shams. We're going to hear so much more from you during this conversation, but allow me to ask Jeremy and Chris to both say hello as well.
2: Hi, good to be here. This is Jeremy. Hello, everybody.
0: So what we're going to do is um, ease our way into what is quite a weighty subject for this conversation by asking Dr. Shams really to say a little bit on a personal level about his life journey as a professional.
1: As you mentioned, I'm an Afghan. I was born in Afghanistan. I lived all throughout this ups and downs of the last 40 years uh, of the conflict and war, except the few years that I did my medical education and master's education outside Afghanistan in Europe. I I lived both in rural areas in big cities, Kabul and Jalalabad, so I know what is actually happening and what is the life to be in Rural areas and, and, and in big cities. Uh, my, my father was also a health professional, so how I ended up with, I mean, in the, the medical field, it was because my father was a medical professional and he was encouraging me also to follow his path. So I think that was also from childhood. I, I know only about uh, medicine and a profession as a doctor. Maybe I, I a little knew about other professions, so that's why I eventually with all those uh, encouragements from my father and family, I ended up to study medicine uh, and then I did some advancements uh, in in the field. Originally, actually, I wanted to be a surgeon, particularly during the war and conflict. uh, I ended up to work with the angels, with the public health system, and eventually I found out that public health, nutrition, Sort of healthcare management. That is the area that I can probably help uh, a lot of people instead of being in in hospital or in a clinic. Do I have also some level, some few years of the working in the hospital? Also, the the, the, the public health was uh, maybe also partially because of my own interest, but the original uh, I mean reason was that uh, 2025 years back when there was lots, there was very few employment opportunities with the government. And when the NGO started working in Afghanistan, so more job opportunities uh, appeared uh, in the NGO sector with the United Nations. And that maybe also partially explains the reason that I ended up with the public
2: health and healthcare management.
0: Thank you, Dr. Shams. That's such an interesting insight. Um, Jeremy, shall I hand over to you?
2: Yes, Dr. Shams, it would be... Very interesting for us to hear your perspective on on how Afghanistan has approached the many problems it's faced from a nutritional perspective over the last 15 to 20 years. What have been the main milestones, if you like, as well as what you see as the main successes uh, over the years and, and what has enabled these successes?
1: Thank you, Jeremy. I, I, I think the past 15, 20 years were like window of opportunity for Afghanistan, I would say. Though if you look to the health and nutrition indicators and status of people in Afghanistan, yes, we had quite good progress in the past 20 years, though still the, the status and the situation is not as we all desire. Uh, if you look at different surveys and resources published globally and also locally about Afghanistan, the health and nutrition situation is yet uh, not as we would wish the recent survey smart survey that in afghanistan was published in 2022 tells us that still we have a high level of acute malnutrition in children under 5 it's uh, it's unbelievable uh, the stunting in i mean four in 10 children are stunted Almost one in four women in Afghanistan, pregnant and breastfeeding women, is uh, malnourished. So the, the health and nutrition situation do improve mm-hmm. in, 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 in recent years, but they are not improved as uh, we would want see what why it's happening why it happened in afghanistan in the past 20 years and what has happened that's why i call it was a window of opportunity a big window of opportunity for the health system in afghanistan because uh, what has happened the nutrition and the health was somehow recognized and if you look at the constitutions the constitution that was uh, developed uh, acknowledge the role of the government in provision of the healthcare services, and there was, there are provisions that the government should provide health services. I'm actually talking about the constitu- constitution that we had during the uh, previous regime or the government, because at the at the moment we do not have uh, one. Uh, and that constitutional provision and support helped then uh, later uh, later on lay out the actions by the government and provided facilities and support to the enabling environment also for international community to support and intervene. For example, health and nutrition is very well stipulated in the basic package of the health services. Uh, There were also good structural advancements uh, in Afghanistan. Uh, in the Ministry of Health, you would see unit working for it, like public nutrition department. You would have a health advisor to the president who would support uh, president on health and nutrition aspects. Uh, there was Afghanistan food security and nutrition agenda where I was coordinating its technical secretariat. So lots, of, lots of structural advancements in the past 20 years. And also at the policy and strategy level, uh, many things has happened. So We got the Afghanistan Food Security and Nutrition Strategic Plan. We had uh, lots of strategies at the programmatic level, nutrition strategy, different technical guidelines, and so on. Also, one of the, I think, uh, the important points that the government of Afghanistan realized uh, in 2017 that nutrition is not just uh, a health topic. It's a multi-sectoral topic. And that's why in September 2017, uh, Afghanistan joined the Scaling Up Nutrition movement, created the Afghanistan Food Security and Nutrition Agenda, and created this uh, Technical Secretary to to coordinate multi-sectoral efforts around food security, but also nutrition. I think uh, that was uh, like uh, something was happening At the policy level, at the programmatic level, but also at the operational level, Um, so the government high level authorities, policymakers, decisions makers, they really understood the importance of the nutrition for the development and for for development of Afghanistan, for the people of Afghanistan. But I think also the important role was played by the international community, by the donors, also by bilateral donors, by multilateral donors, that they funded nutrition activities or the nutrition programs in Afghanistan. I think that we should not uh, appreciate that effort that was uh, almost 90% of the public health budget or the budget that was given to the, to the health sector. I'm not talking here about the out-of-pocket money, but the one which was given to the Ministry of Health. Actually, that budget was coming from donors, from big donors. Uh, so that was really important uh, to say that from one side, huge financial support from the donor, from other side, uh, the recognition of the importance of uh, nutrition uh, as a public health issue, but also as economic issue uh, uh, in the context of Afghanistan and the political will, the commitment of the leaders. Those are the key factors that uh, eventually ended up to start something about. I I don't want to say that what we have done in the past 20 years for nutrition were successful, were enough. No, we needed much more. But I think the seed for multi-sectoral approach, the seed for recognizing the nutrition uh, as an important development agenda was uh, already embedded. And there were structural changes, policy level changes, and recognition for the nutrition. So, if uh, I
3: summarize. Yes,
2: very very well summarized. And thank you, Dr. Sham. All all these uh, processes and and progress that you described are extremely important. Uh, over the last fifteen to twenty years, but what would you say have been the main challenges during this period as well and and also now with the change of regime and um, perhaps you could t- take us on that journey.
1: okay, first was the conflict the, the active fighting that you can you could not reach people in rural areas with the projects with the activities and so that was and many people were left behind, particularly children and, and women. I think the second challenge was also that we very, very lately recognize the importance of all this multisectoral approach and the SDGs and everything, because in, in the first 10 years, maybe, we were following what we were told. We I mean all the strategies, policies were coming from outside and we were struggling to absorb those strategies, these those new ideas. But maybe after ten years we realized okay that everything should be contextualized and then Afghan should uh, lead those processes. I think another challenge was also the capacity issue. In the beginning, the capacity on all levels, on the policy level, implementation level was not right to come up with the with the with, with the things to improve the situation, but hopefully, luckily, actually, the uh, after 10-15 years, we had right technical capacities and many levels to to support the nutrition agenda. Uh, so uh, financially, also nutrition was uh, do recognized, but uh, you know we were dependent a lot on the foreign aids, and sometimes assistance uh, was also not designed outside of Afghanistan so okay this is the the systems that we want to give you and this these are the areas so these are the projects that we want to invest so at the ground level there were a few concepts proposals ideas and then uh, we had very little of them for nutrition so we implemented some of those concepts for nutrition which were already coming from outside we did not have our own ideas our own concepts so, so that was a big challenge so nutrition though got recognition but in the very strong financial support uh, that was also one of the challenges i think uh, i should mention at this stage i think some of those challenges are still we have conflict itself capacity issue sometimes the defending itself when it was do it was not very conditional conditional funding and earmarked funding but still uh, there were influence of uh, those who were giving the the fund and maybe uh, also in the beginning, we could not realise the context and the need and we were just thinking, okay, that this model will help, this model will help, and that model will help. And eventually, later on, we realised that we need to be context specific and address really those problems and challenges that are sort of in the context of Afghanistan.
2: Okay, thanks. That's, that's very interesting, Dr. Shaman. I think uh, I think actually Chris's questions now are going to pick up pretty much on everything you just said there. So Chris, um, over to you.
3: Thanks very much, Jeremy and um, Dr Shams for what you've shared with us so far. As Carmel said at the beginning, the focus of uh, our conversation with you and also in uh, with uh, subsequent guests is around the effectiveness of international support to, to countries and what's been working well, what's been working less well how things could be strengthened uh, going forward. But before delving into that in a bit more uh, detail, maybe you could tell us just a little bit more about what is going on in terms of um, efforts to tackle malnutrition in the country uh, at the current context. Obviously, things have changed fairly uh, dramatically uh, in in recent times. But are there still efforts um, from different places to... Uh, to develop uh, national leadership around nutrition that bridges across different sectors and brings different stakeholders together, uh, and if so, where is that initiative coming from, and what is that looking like in the current context?
1: Thank you, Chris. The current context is uh, complex for different reasons, and I think they are also a little bit interconnected and linked. For example, recognition of the government itself—it's it's a big issue and because that hampers relationship with the government and then funding to the afghanistan so uh, that is one of the important or the biggest issue for development but i think what what has happened and w- which was also good is that the government the new government the de facto authority kept those structures which were available of course the leadership of the structure has changed the level of technicality has changed. Many things has changed. The previous bureaucrats, the previous technical people are not leading those programmatic and, and administrative uh, positions, but still those structures do exist. And I think that was a good thing because you had already a ground, a platform for collaboration and sort of discussion with the government authorities. What has happened again, I think the international community was very supportive. The United Nations, other NGOs, governments, because they tried to help People, The huge food security, I mean, the food assistance program in Afghanistan and still keeping those health facilities which we established in many, many years, keeping them, uh, keep their staff, resources, medicines and nutrition activities in those health facilities. I think that was uh, something uh, that we should admire because we have challenges, but the health system did not collapse. Uh, I mean, it was at the verge of collapse. But then I think both sides recognize that it's not good to, for the people, for the country. And I think uh, the structures were maintained and the level of services, the staffing. Of course, with the decline in funding, the quality, the motivation may not be very high, but still structures are there and services are provided. Uh, this is the context that today we have. The same visit package of the health services. We have health facilities in Afghanistan. Uh, We have uh, donor support that's supporting those health facilities. We have nutrition activities happening. But the demand has increased. The need actually has increased for nutrition services uh, as uh, many other factors related to malnutrition has worsened we all know that uh, nutrition uh, is not it's a multi-factor and multifaceted topic and it has many different level and uh, level of factors Uh, poverty has increased unemployment has increased food insecurity has increased and i think all those other factors socio-political factors economic factors actually now making the situation of malnutrition worse. And that's why if you look to the recent surveys, if you at the SMART survey or mixed survey or other uh, household level survey, you will see that the rates of malnutrition, malnutrition are very high or remain very high. Uh, that's why the need is very high the, and there is need for more help. So the current this is the current context, how you can describe it. We have structures in place, donors still helping, but not maybe with the same level but uh, and there is also growing need for the services
3: thanks uh, dr shams and you you talked there about the health sector and the health system and how it was perhaps on the verge of collapse but it was recognized by by all parties that that was in nobody's interest there, i guess uh and um, and therefore, in some ways, support was increased to ensure uh, the health system could continue to function and the basic packages, package of services could continue to be provided. Can you say anything about other sectors, though, agriculture, uh, education, social protection and, and others that have a role to play, uh, as you say, in a multisectoral approach to nutrition? What is the situation in those other sectors? Is there still uh, an awareness and a recognition of the role they can play in, in promoting better nutrition?
1: Thank you, Chris, uh, for this question. Uh, uh, yeah, w- w- what we had uh, uh, achieved in previous years was also that the, under the Afghanistan Food Security and Nutrition Agenda, we were bringing many sectors like education, uh, rural development, finance, agriculture and many other sectors, even religious sectors around those platforms that we have created. We had the nutrition platform, we had the food security platform, the even the public awareness platform, both at national and sub-national level. We were able to create uh, those committees here, which were actually pre- represented and attended by the minister level, uh, by ministers, by deputy ministers. But also at the provincial level, we were able to create around 30 Uh, provincial food security and nutrition committees managed by the governors or the deputy governor so there was strong recognition and coordination existed around the nutrition and everyone was engaged for example um, the discussion we had with the minister of education in those days we were able to include food security and nutrition messages topics in the education curricula. so that was a big success we wanted to aware even the school level children about the importance of nutrition and food security and give them already some sort of information through their curricula. For example, with the Ministry of Religious Affairs, we were able to come up with uh, booklets for mullahs for religious leaders that they can use them and everything was described from the religious perspectives, how Islam as a religion looks at the nutrition the breastfeeding for example and the food everything around food and nutrition security those were uh, those topics were explained and the ministry of religious affairs actually they came forward and helped us and develop those uh, booklets with the minister of um, rural development we were already discussing how the community development council can be engaged in the nutrition and how they can they will design projects which will improve food security and nutrition at the ministry of agriculture we had lots of good uh, ideas on developing policies plans like on the neglected food with the ministry of finance we were already discussing on how we can really include specific budget for nutrition and for nutrition-specific and nutrition-sensitive activities. So those were actually the good results of the multi-sectoral approach. What has happened now? What is the situation now? Of course, I am telling you, those ministers are not anymore. Those people are not. Those structures and those coordination platforms do not exist uh, now. With the social protection, we we did not have a very strong social protection system in Afghanistan. A system that could uh, embrace everyone and help uh, the vulnerable people but still some some ideas some concepts were there uh, today only the international communities through their social assistance to food security assistance or food assistance or nutrition or other cash distribution they are doing some activities but uh, as i told you the need is very huge uh, so that multi-sectoral approach for nutrition, unfortunately, does not exist. What exists is only the nutrition. Now, again, became as a health topic, uh, which is uh, mainly discussed at the Ministry of Health level. Thanks. Um,
3: earlier in the conversation, um, when you were talking about uh, current constraints, you, you kind of highlighted the reality of that the, the the current uh, authorities in the country are not recognised uh, internationally. And it brought to mind um a conversation that we had with Karima from the Sun Yemen Secretariat uh, in a previous podcast episode where she was talking about uh, the situation in in Yemen and making the point that even in a context where uh, the political the de facto political authorities may not be recognized internationally, it's still vitally important that the international community engages, particularly at a technical level, and tries to ensure that public uh, institutions, public systems in different sectors uh, can continue to maintain capacity and be delivering services. Um, And of course, uh, in humanitarian support that is provided, we know that um, agencies do try and often work and deliver services through existing systems at a community and a, a subnational level. But I just wondered if you have kind of reflections on on those points that Karima was making. I know that you'd listened to that particular podcast um, and thinking about the Afghanistan situation. What is it you think the international community um, might be doing perhaps more, to ensure the sustainability and functioning of public services, even in this highly challenging uh, context?
1: Uh, Thank you, Chris. Uh, I I, I, I think to fully agree with uh, Karima. uh, You know, without engagement with the local authority and with the government, is it's not possible to implement it's not possible to reach people and it's not possible to uh, implement your projects of course uh, there will be i mean uh, as a humanitarian organization, humanitarian organizations uh, they have to maintain their sort of operational independence but still you need you need their support we are also have uh, technical level uh, discussions we are engaged at the technical level because we also believe that without engaging technical people, then the things will go not in the right direction. I'm just giving you an example of the health system of Afghanistan. BPHS, you know, the health facilities are funded by the inter, through the international aid system, yeah, through funding that we get from outside. But still, the health facility belongs to the government. So you cannot, if you do not have that technical level engagement, even sometimes at the policy level engagement that uh, you cannot implement, uh, you cannot provide health services at the health facility level. So that is very crucial and important that we keep. And I think in Afghanistan, that's also a good example that maybe not in the beginning, but then after a few months, uh, everyone realized that, okay we cannot avoid the government and we should have certain level of uh, engagement. And now when more and more the government is uh, understanding the context, they know more about the programs, they know more about the development partners, NGOs, and the more their sphere of influence is growing, the more engagement is needed and not only at the technical level, I think maybe also at the ministerial level also, sometimes anywhere maybe higher level uh, because uh, at the end, this is a country which has a boundary, which has infrastructures and delivering any services in a specific geographical area requires that everyone should be on the same page. Of course, it's really important that both sides understand that at the end, whatever is happening should be for the best of the people. It's not uh, because sometimes uh, creating expectations or influencing or intervening, interfering and in someone uh, operations also may cause challenges which will eventually affect people. That is happening also sometimes when there is no good sort of information sharing, when both sides do not understand each other's expectation, uh, sometimes the operations are hampered. That's why I think people in the partners here, different uh, stakeholders, they are trying also to give some sort of level of information and understanding of their projects uh, that they are implementing in Afghanistan, and they hope that that level of information uh, will suffice to create sort of mutual understanding, but also uh, the support. But the more government is getting stronger and stronger, the more there's uh, the the circle of the sphere, the sphere of the influence will grow and the the more engagement will be needed at uh, different levels.
3: Thanks. If if there's a concern to ensure that um, humanitarian assistance that's vital for saving lives um, and meeting immediate needs, reaching the people who who need it most, but also um, there are opportunities to do things that can actually prevent uh, those humanitarian needs in the first place, um, perhaps through supporting more uh, people's livelihoods and their ability to meet their, their own needs, you, you you said that there is a need for a certain level of engagement with the authorities at, at, at different levels. To what ex- extent do you think that is constrained um, externally by policies in donor capitals uh, in different parts of the world? And what would you say to the decision makers outside of Afghanistan uh, about perhaps the, the the need to change the way of working um, while still recognising the complexity of a situation where the authorities are not recognised internationally?
1: Um, thank you, Chris. You know, to improve the health and nutrition situation in any context, you need, you need both uh, short-term, mid-term and long-term sort of efforts. Uh What was also the challenge before, but also today that everyone tends to focus on the short term and humanitarian assistance, which is which is perfect in the humanitarian context. That's the priority. But sometimes we tend either because we are too much busy in giving humanitarian assistance or because of uh, funding issues. We just focus on one side and we forget about the long-term activities development activities for example as you already mentioned resilience food system developing infrastructures capacity development and long-term projects that will eventually help to stabilize the economic and social situation in a country reduce poverty address hunger food insecurity and so on so but for development projects you need Very strong engagement because development, humanitarian assistance, short for one month, two months, three months, you, you can do it, you deliver it, you find a local partner, you distribute what you have. And then if the, there is no funding, then there is no engagement But for development projects, long-term projects. When it comes on the livelihood, for example, livelihood projects, projects around agriculture, food, uh, around the economic opportunities. Those are those projects, those big programs, social protection, safety net. Those projects actually need long-term uh, engagement with the community, with the government. So you, you, you can't implement development projects without having policy in place without regulatory support, without constitutional support, and without uh, government support. Uh, That is at least my idea. And for that, uh, I think uh, international community should really think of that, because they cannot deliver humanitarian assistance forever. And that is, we all know that humanitarian assistance is just addressing the immediate need, the immediate issues and problems. So if you do not address the root causes of an issue, a challenge, then that issue, that problem will exist forever. So that's why sometimes linking this development activities or projects, even sometimes humanitarian activities to some political, linking them to to political context, is challenging and I think they have to think twice or think of how that uh, linkage will affect or help people in in any context. Uh, For example, road construction, helping farmers, uh, something that requires really uh, long-term support, both technical and financial support, that should not be uh, linked to, to the recognition of the government if they recognize the government or not of course uh, I understand that also aid is uh, though it should not be politicized it should not be very, it should not have too much political motives but it still has it still has something in it and I think uh, the donors should really think of long-term developmental projects in Afghanistan and I think that will be welcomed my 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 personal uh, assumption and thinking is that uh, any government uh, will welcome long-term projects uh, because that also helps the government legitimacy uh, in a way. But at the end, everything that we do, if it's a short-term or long-term, the, the main focus should be the people. And um, I think both side the international community and the, and the government, they should really agree on this, that whatever they, they do, that's not, Better of the government or better of the international community. That should help the people. And if that clarity exists, and then I think the ground for cooperation and for engagement will be much easier. Great, thanks.
3: I've got one more question, and then I'll hand back to Carmel and Jeremy to see if they have follow up questions, particularly around this issue of how the international system can better support nutrition in Afghanistan. Um, and I just want to focus in on the scaling up nutrition movement uh, and how it has provided support to Afghanistan over the years and uh, how it can uh, strengthen its support in the current context. But also, uh, given your involvement in the sun movement globally, you, your general points of view on what the sun movement has done well over time and how it could strengthen its support uh to to really uh, align with country priorities. Um, from what you said earlier, um, it would seem that you feel that the Sun movement in the past was able to uh, help add value to in-country efforts in raising awareness around the need for a multi-sectoral approach uh, and sharing ideas on how to establish the nationally-led um structures that can help to coordinate across sectors and different types of stakeholders etc but but what is it uh, that you think the sun movement can bring in the current uh, context to Afghanistan And what is it you think in general, based upon your wider experience of engaging with the sun movement, um, what do you feel it could be strengthening going forward in in terms of how it facilitates, catalyzes and brokers support to countries?
1: Scaling up uh, nutrition movement can do a lot. it has done a lot in Afghanistan. At the end, this uh, the movement is not. It's, it's comprised about again about the United Nation agencies, donors, uh, civil society, but the movement itself is, is really inspiring and it helped also us uh, in Afghanistan to uh, to actually to look at the at nutrition from different angles. Uh, it actually widened our perspective to nutrition, not of only of the technical people, but also the, the decision makers. The ideology that it should be country-led, country-owned movement. Yes, I, I fully agree with that. But that should happen. The country uh, should own that movement after a while when it establishes a real movement within the country. So uh, uh, now in Afghanistan, for example, since Sun movement is not a political movement and it's it, it's a movement that everyone will welcome it. I was personally, as, as as a person who worked with the Sun Movement and represented Afghanistan in the Sun Movement, I, I, I wish the scaling up nutrition movement had uh, stepped in only even one or three years back and only just start discussion at least at the UN level with the civil society level. This was my ask. I, I repeated it several times uh, through the different platforms uh, at the Sun. And I still hope that the Sun can play that role. Starting with the its, its key members in Afghanistan, for example, the UN those organizations, the UN organizations which were actually supporting the Sun movement in Afghanistan, not only technically, but also financially, they still exist in Afghanistan. The civil society still maybe not in that shape and strength, but still there are NGOs, civil society organizations that can help. And the health and nutrition is, you know, it's a very neutral topic. Uh, everyone will welcome it unless it's not politicized by donors or by those who actually, or by, 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 by the networks themselves. So I think they will welcome it. And sometimes when the government finds that, okay, this is something that can help us, can help people. Maybe that types of agenda or concepts will be even more supported. Uh, But it requires uh, uh, someone should take the first steps, have the the courage to talk about it and to explain. And it will will also require how the advocacy will shape around this topic. Usually we tend to implement Projects and good concepts when the enabling environment is there, when everything is fine, okay. But uh, it's also important that we give, uh, we try our best and we make more efforts in the context like Afghanistan, like Yemen, when everything is not very good. And then also try to help those people and those countries uh, to improve their health and nutrition status. So um, I still have expectations on Sun Movement. I still think that Sun Movement can do something for Afghanistan. But at the country level, it might not happen because at the country, level it's again me or some other afghan nationals which we have tried our best but maybe from the global level down to the country level advocacy will be helpful in revitalizing those type of coordination and structures, Maybe we cannot na- name it Af- Afghanistan Food Security and Nutrition Agenda. We may give it different name, but still, that the, the concept, that notion, that essence should be there. That we should bring everyone. Thanks very
3: much and uh, very interesting, valuable insights um, into the role of the Sun Movement in the current context and. Um, Uh, the the advocacy role it can play in mobilising and raising awareness uh, amongst its key partner agencies um, adapted to the particular uh, country context uh, of course. So insights that I'm I'm sure we'll be keen to take into other conversations in this series and also with our global level guests uh, later as well.
2: Okay, so if I may, um, just one very quick question to follow up on something you said, Doctor Shaman, In a way, this relates to what Chris just said about context. When you, when you were talking about the period of uh, nutrition progress in Afghanistan, um, you you also said your your concern or caveat was that policies tended to come from outside that. Uh, donor and partner programs tended to be presented to Afghanistan and almost imposed if you like And, and what I took from that was that outside support development partner support was not sufficiently contextualized. I just wondered if you could give us examples of that and what your solution is to prevent this sort of situation repeating itself?
1: Well, one example could be also how the health system was uh, organized and arranged. So, I mean, with the new government, when we had the international community came up with the design of the BPHS and EPHS, and especially when it's contracted out to NGOs, This was a new design. Afghanistan has never experienced that design because before, uh, I mean, the public health services were provided by the government and that was the responsibility of the government to provide services, okay? The big uh, justification in those days, I was part of those discussions also that, okay, the government does not have the capacity to provide services. That's why we will give you the money, but then that money should go to NGOs, to the private sector, and they will provide the services. Okay, that worked for a while, but then we continue it that approach not now for even for more than 20 years and again the health system is not sustainable still it depends on uh, on, on the on international aid of course it also opened way to misuse of the resources uh, money local NGOs mushroom uh, lots of the quality of services went down. That that was an option, but maybe not a permanent option for the health system of Afghanistan, how we could really, and Jeremy, I'm talking about billion, billion of dollars which were invested in the health system of Afghanistan, huh? a part mm-hmm. of the construction of the health service, the health facilities or the hospitals. Now, if tomorrow there is no funding, you, you, you won't see those health cadres. Uh, in the health facilities. You won't see those equipments. You won't see those those services available. So I think there was something that we could invest in the government capacity to provide public health services themselves, itself. Of course, there were a few provinces, three provinces that they were piloting to see how the health system. But in 20 years, I think we should have been able to improve the procurement processes within the government, the, the policy, the everything that the, the government, the public sector, feel itself responsible for health services now i think the we already set up the ideology that okay health services let the NGO do it let the international community to fund it because they're already funding we just became the idol the government or the the public sector became the idol because someone else is supporting that so with long term that type of support concepts somehow we are for me we are reducing the importance of the topic, but also we are not preparing the government itself to take the responsibility. And this is an example that happened in many other places. Another example could be also that I think the international community assuming that the local capacity is not that strong, so for everything someone should come inside Afghanistan, develop a paper, do a research, do something, and then leave the country. And that's why we have very weak research institutions in Afghanistan. If you have invested in the local capacities, now we would have strong research, research Researchers, public health specialists, and they would come up with the to design policy, strategies, program in their own language, not cutting and pasting things from outside, and we would have the capacity ourselves. So there are many examples that uh, were just uh, were not very well institutionalized, and they were just uh, for short term resources were spent, but. Uh, did not have long-term impact on on the institutional level but also on the structure level also on on the status of the
0: people well i think um dr shams i think your personal reflections in this conversation have been so valuable and before we were chatting earlier today i had a quick look at the global nutrition report card for afghanistan and i have to say i was well, pleasantly surprised around some progress in child stunting, and child wasting, how Afghanistan is on course to meet two of the WHA targets, World Health Assembly targets, so for breast, exclusive breastfeeding, childhood overweight. And then you look at where Afghanistan is off course or has see no progress or indeed a worsening situation and the one thing that really struck me was the appalling levels of anemia in Afghanistan how that has become Uh, you know, the prevalence and instance of that is ever increasing. So we haven't got time to go into what is going to shift in specific terms these uh, indicators for Afghanistan. But I think what you've already shared with us says so much about what needs to be in place, very much more Afghan-led and driven and owned, and more developmental approaches for the progress that has been made to continue and for where no progress has been made for for that situation to be reversed. I, I don't have a specific question with respect to that, because that's a whole other conversation about those WHA targets and your own national targets. But what you've shared with us, I think, will probably resonate with a lot of countries that are like Afghanistan in the sense of being conflict affected and chronically crisis prone for a whole host of reasons. And I do hope that when we get into conversation with the global actors, particularly the current incumbent Afshan Khan, that she and David will give some thought to how can the Sun movement devolve itself more effectively to help you in your role tackle some of these deep-seated problems. So it's just left to me to thank you so much for your time today uh, and these incredibly insightful observations that you've shared with us. Thank you very, very much indeed. And I hope it's been enjoyable for you as well. And I don't know if this is your first ever podcast, uh, but you've been a really wonderful uh, guest speaker uh, for us this afternoon.
1: Thank you, Kamal.